maybe i don't know you're gonna have to step it up paul talk more that's, okay that's you the have only to talk way. less for me to talk more oh i guess so am i am i just like stomping on your toes all the time and you're just too nice about it um maybe i don't Man. know i kind of don't care either way it doesn't all matter. right just yeah okay well we'll see how it goes um i haven't seen that many films so maybe that'll help yeah uh, sorry i'm just doing something quickly but anyways what's up uh oh i guess Man, all of those are going to show up on your audio, and it's <laughs> going to be amazing. What's that? All those clicks and whatever. Is that a lighter or something? Yeah. That's yeah. Nice Zippo. I'm just going to leave it in. just Because I've been hearing that every week, and I just didn't ever talk about it. But Yeah. Um, when I do stuff like this and, like, write, mm-hmm. I smoke a lot. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> cool, but I, I just I wasn't sure what was happening. There was one week where I edited it all out. Uh, long-time listeners will know. Oh, so. I got a writing gig, too, for a site. Oh, cool. Uh, some, uh, game site? I don't really want to say the name yet. Oh, they, okay. They gave me a press release for uh, something yesterday, and I did up a news article for them, so we'll see if they take it. All right. And I guess just personal plugs in. Um, I'm going to have uh, some sort of thing about Soderbergh and Contagion in uh, the next Beetroot. Nice. B-E-A-T-R-O-U-T-E. So, yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Uh, it's It ended up being not as like thorough and in-depth as I wanted to go, but it was meant to just be kind of like, hey, this guy's kind of cool, right? And then also review Contagion. So Yeah, this thing was about the Crytek merging. The Homefront home stuff? Too. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, I kind of don't care, but at the same time, I'm kind of excited because like Homefront could be kind of cool if it didn't suck. <laughs> like it's an okay idea. That's basically it's Red a Dawn really good the game, idea, right? But it's an even better marketing campaign they had. Yeah. For that, so like I think if they actually put some like talent behind it, I think it'd be pretty cool. So I'm kind okay. of excited. Um. So we'll Personally. keep keep a lid on where that's going to be for some reason, but whatever. Well, because I don't know what's going on yet. I have to oh, if it, or if like, it'll this even... was literally a few hours ago. Oh, okay. Like, less than 24 hours ago, I submitted it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, that may or may not hit the internet in the near future, so check that out. Yeah, we'll um, see what goes on with that. All right. So, I you... watched Blues Brothers. Okay, the, like, the first one, not 2000? The first one. No, 2000 okay. doesn't count to me. That's not Blues Brothers. That's, um... Okay. That's money. That's money coming in. That's a job. I saw that at, like, age 12 or 13 or something. I don't hate that movie, but I probably would if I ever saw it again. So the I'm just going to pretend. 2000? 2000. Yeah, okay. That's I'm just going to totally pretend right. it's all right. I mean, like, John Goodman's in it. I mean... Yeah, so, like, in a way, you kind of want it to be okay because, I mean, John Goodman. Yeah. But at the same time, like, no. Is there, like, a monster in it or something? Or but... some sort of weird alien or some sort of creature? Yeah, I don't remember. I like I said, it doesn't exist, so I don't. I sure. All right, let's it. just talk about the first one. Right, big yeah, car so chase at Pax. Um, our friend John there, he went as uh, Elwood. Yep. Um. Yeah, that's really why I was like, you know what? I should watch the Blues Brothers, and I made good on that promise to myself, and I did. That's a really good movie. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it in a long time, but good road it movie. Ho- it holds up really well, and there's some really kind of weird parts that I forgot were even there. Like, I mean, I know it's kind of blasphemous to say, but I forgot the whole part with them, like, driving through the mall. Oh, yeah, no. That's from that, that movie. Yeah, that's that movie. Flipping upside down and everything. And, like, some really, really good car chases. Yeah. Which is really surprising for a movie called Blues Brothers, but, I mean, yeah. There's, like, know. 40 cop cars or something. And John Belushi. He's good stuff. I like yeah, that guy. Yeah. That guy was cool. He was um, cool, but... That John Candy, that. too. That guy was also cool. And there's so many, like, people in it. Like, James Brown and Ray Charles and Aretha Franklin. Like, it's crazy. And Carrie, Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher, yeah. 
<laughs> she's all crazy, her rocket launcher. To be fair, I'm pretty sure she's always been really crazy. Yeah, maybe. So she's she, probably she has, like, books like... and stuff now. I haven't really looked into those, but, I mean... She what, she, sorry? She has, like, a successful career as an author, and she's going on book tours and everything, and I don't what know. What type of books does she do? I don't really know. I've, like, don't quiz me on that. I just know those exist. Uh, type it into the Google. Hey, a little uh, trivia. She was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Oh, okay. So, you know what? She totally is crazy. Uh, yep. I, I didn't want to say totally that because... I dig that in women. Okay. Yeah, you should see my ex. Totally insane. All right. Crazy um, ex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Anyways, so yeah, that still holds up. And have you ever seen the show News Radio? No. Well, News Radio is finally on Netflix. I've been looking for it forever, like on Torrance, and nobody seems to have it. I'm wondering if they've even... Re- they must have released DVDs of it. But yeah, I've started watching that. That's a really good show. I like it quite a bit. Dave stars, Foley. Stars, yeah, Dave Foley, and um, it has Stephen Root in there as the, like, not the main guy, the owner of the radio station, like some multi-millionaire dude that's mm-hmm. kind of out of it. And okay, funny. I have heard of this show, mainly because Phil Hartman was involved. But, Phil Hartman um, is great in it. He's yeah. fantastic. Um, I really Andy miss Dick that guy. Andy is... Dick is good in it. Okay. Yeah, I know. It's kind of pains me to say it too, but you know what? No, I I don't know. I don't personally have negative associations with Andy Dick. I have no idea what he's ever done. I just keep hearing like, "Oh man, that guy sucks" in like a bunch of news, and I'm just like, "Oh, okay. I I'll take your word for it, late night talk show host or um, whoever." Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't say he's like he's the type of person that's been in a lot of stuff just because he's kind of flamboyant. I don't think he's not gay though. And he's Okay. Been, he's gotten a lot of um, cr- uh, some bad critical response because of uh, some issues he's had with drugs in the past, okay. and he's actually a sex addict and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So, he hasn't exactly been out of the spotlight, but I think he's going with that whole, like, any publicity's good publicity, because he still gets work. Oh, okay. But he's kind of not funny in a lot of stuff. He's pretty good in this show, though. He's toned down enough where he's actually decent. I think this probably must have been when he was just starting or something. Oh, okay. Um, who else is in it? I'm just trying to think. Joe Rogan's in it. Which yeah, is I'm looking at that now. Like a young Joe Rogan. And and I know who Vicky Lewis is, mainly because she's in Godzilla and that one Seinfeld episode. <laughs> which one? I uh, like... She's, like, the secretary that George hires because he wants to be responsible and hire someone not super right. attractive, but okay. then they have sex anyway. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Like, for... I, I would say free, but, I mean, you have to pay for Netflix. But, like, if you have Netflix, I think it's definitely worth a watch. It's pretty good. Okay. It's a show I could get into, even though it's, what, 10 years old now? 15, probably? And, and like, how topical is radio nowadays? I, don't, I guess it still exists, well, I just don't listen like, to it. Like, in a few years or whatever, say, things went weird and everybody started working in a factory, how topical would The Office be, right? Like, it's not, it doesn't matter, the setting, mm-hmm. it's all about, like, how, what's going on between the characters. It doesn't matter that they're in a radio station, they could be anywhere else. Okay. So, so Fraser Crane, I, just as timely as ever. What's that? No, I don't know. Fraser with his radio show. Yeah, I like Fraser. That so. era. Yeah, I know. No, that's good. Okay. I was talking to somebody about Frasier, and they were, like, madly against Pierce. it, and they just berated me the whole time about liking it. I, I never, like, bought a season or anything, but whenever no, it was on... I would on, buy a season, but whenever it was on, I would watch it. Oh, yeah. If there was totally harmless it. 90s sitcom. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. The only thing... The only harm I think it really had is that it made it so David Spade can never play any character again because he's always Niles Crane now. Oh, David Hyde Pierce. David Hyde. What did I say? You said David Spade, and I was aghast. Yeah, no, okay. Yeah, okay. David Hyde Pierce, yeah. Yeah, I do like it, David Hyde Pierce. Uh, he can be the voice of insects in movies, though. And mm, Yes. Agreed. I guess if he's... Are they doing that Wet Hot American Summer like prequel? He, he'd probably be in that. Yeah, I'm honestly not sure. Okay, I I heard that, and I thought that was kind of a great idea, because they're even older now, and they're doing the prequel, so... <laughs> yeah, that's kind of awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, 
it's not a bad idea. I didn't even love that original movie. I think it's just because, like, it was beloved cult movie, and I'm just, like, coming from the outside, and she's like, yeah, it's okay. I don't really know what... All right. But whatever. It's a totally harmless movie. So, The Beatles. What? Yeah, you they're a the band. Beatles? Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. Do you good. like The Beatles? Yeah, grew up with The Beatles. They're, you know, Sgt. Yeah. Pepper is probably my favorite of theirs. But, yeah. Yeah, um... Do you know about the controversy that came up saying that Paul McCartney died? I thought that was like an in-joke, like a backwards part on a song and like some of their publicity material for an album. Right, well, it wasn't... I don't know if that's even so much true. Like, basically the rumor is that Paul McCartney um, left the, uh, the studio in, I think it was 1966, in a huff kind of, because him and Lennon never really saw eye-to-eye on a lot of stuff in their mm-hmm. music. Because as you know, like being a Beatles fan and at least hearing the different styles, McCartney yeah. did a lot of ballads and very like lovey type stuff. And, and Lennon was more about like... Melancholy. Not like, even so much, but he needed to have a message and he needed to have it like encrypted to the point where no one would understand it. So he would be like the pretentious art guy. Oh, uh, so like higher minded lyrics. And... Exactly. Yeah, okay. But I mean, together they did some awesome stuff, but obviously when you, you're two different people doing two different things on the same song, you're going to disagree a lot. Anyways, he left the studio, and um, he was driving home. Apparently it was a rainy night or whatever. And he picked up um, the girl, oh my god, Rita, in a blue dress or whatever. They did a song about her, what is it? Meter Maid? Lovely Rita Meter Maid? Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, so he picked her up, and uh, apparently, like, he was driving home fast in his car. I can't remember what type of car he had at the time. Not important. <laughs> no, totally not important. Um, and then she f- realized finally that, hey, like, you're Paul McCartney, and, like, started hugging him, and, like, you know how people get when they're fans and stuff, right? So just screaming. and Yeah, and, and basically <laughs> the thing is he ran off the road, like, flipped his car or whatever, got in a terrible car crash, and, like, they pulled him out of the scene nearly decapitated with, like, one of his eyes hanging out, like, his face totally screwed up. Why is there so much detail on this thing that... I'll tell you why. ...didn't happen? <laughs> like... No, I'll tell you why. So, anyways, there was this rumor going around because a news reporter or someone said that they were following him home from the studio, which is not too, like, out of the ordinary, you know how... For the, paparazzi, yeah, they follow yeah, people exactly. around. Yeah, exactly, they would wait around, like someone's house or studio until they peek their head out and then all of a sudden they would just like attack them Mm -hmm. so it's not out of the ordinary that someone might have seen this happen anyways this rumor spread over to america because this all happened in britain and uh it started this huge thing where like paul mccartney's dead and then all of a sudden after that that's when all these like little clues saying that paul was dead in the different like CD liner pictures and notes and like little hidden clues here and there in the songs and the backward max masking and all that sort of thing came in and like so it's like not every- like obviously the Beatles are pretty media savvy saw the story and were like haha funny and embraced it like that's what I would assume that's just what as I a assume person. too and what I'm getting at is that there's this kind of documentary thing it's called Paul McCartney really is dead the last testament of George Harrison okay the idea behind it is that um. I'm trying to remember the name of the studio. I think it's like Highway 61 or whatever. Okay. It's, yeah, they got a tape in 2005 shortly after George Harrison died. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to think of, like, George Harrison was attacked in his home, but, like, years and years ago by oh, okay. an assailant or whatever. In the hospital, apparently, they're saying he did this tape up that says, like, Paul McCartney actually did die. Okay. It describes all this stuff that, like... Like, we actually... We had a secret casting session for his replacement. No, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, No, I love a dumb conspiracy theory. Like, uh, sure, I guess, but, like, that guy who claims to be Paul McCartney is still going around being a musician, so... Yeah, so, like... Wings is a lie. (laughs) Like, what is... I don't no, know. he's not saying that's a lie. He's just saying that the Paul McCartney we know isn't the actual Paul McCartney. He's an imposter that, like, went on to take on this persona. Okay. And really, I mean, 
honestly, it doesn't matter even if that is true. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm always I'm always interested in stuff like that, like conspiracy theories and like these different things. So, but anyways. like this one's based on such a weird beginning. Like it's like a trashy tabloid, and then there you go. And like I don't, I don't know. That's like a weird origin for this whole thing. Kind of well, spotty. It's weird because like I guess I'll watch it because but... this tape apparently that George Harrison did was sent to this dude to like make a video. It's like okay. really, this wouldn't be sent to like a museum or something. Like you know what I mean? Something with like, right. even like the New York Times or Time Magazine. Okay. Like it wouldn't be sent to like a publication. It'd be sent to this fucking nobody. Uh huh. But anyways, so there's actually a website I looked it up after, and you can view pictures of like the proof or whatever. The pictures of like the envelope that it came in, and the picture of the recorder and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyways, it chronologically goes it chronologically has him go through on tape like all the different albums they did and all the different things that they hid in there and they're running with um, Maxwell from MI5 okay yeah I like all these names and stuff he has there. a silver hammer so right watch out and apparently like he's, yeah they were keeping it secret the reason why they got Maxwell smart like what <laughs> <laughs> the reason why they got this imposter was because the idea was that if uh, all these, like, girls and stuff, because of the Beatle craze, found out that McCartney had died, uh-huh. the theory was that they would, a lot of them would take their lives. Oh, like a Kurt Cobain... Sort of like, thing, right, exactly. Copycat thing, So yeah. the reason why they wanted to prevent that... But it's like, not like Paul committed suicide, he just accidentally died, that's just a thing that happens... So, did, right, did, I mean, was there a wave of people killing themselves when Lennon died? You know, I don't actually know, I because I wasn't born. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> you weren't born during any of this either. There could be a John Lennon documentary, I don't know. You know what, I'm sure there's multiple. The reason why I watched this is because it came up on my recommended on Netflix. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, get off my fucking back, no. <laughs> no, I'm just, I no. don't know, I'm incredibly skeptical all no, over this. No, and that's this. totally fine. Yeah, it's okay. just kind of interesting to me because, like, not because I necessarily think this is true, but, like, the way they go through things, it seems a little more than coincidental. Like, I'm sure it was totally either, like, an inside joke between them or, like, Lennon yeah. doing his own thing and, like, being like, hey, let's see how many people we can, like, trick or whatever. But there's a lot of, like, things hidden in their stuff. Saying yeah. that Paul is dead. Like, it is insane. And you don't realize how much there is until it's all laid out in an hour and a half film. Okay. So, it, at the very least, it might kind of just give you a new perspective on some of those songs and whatever. And in a way, can... yeah. And, like, it, it makes it interesting for a Beatles fan because then, like, you hear the name, like, Rita, and you think of, like, Rita, right? From right, song. right. And then, like, you hear Maxwell, and you think of Maxwell. Like, it's kind of crazy actually and then there's a whole bunch of lines of lyrics and stuff that actually make it sound like he probably did die mm-hmm. it's it's very surreal and there's like they have a picture of the dude that um replaced him it was William something or whatever from America mm-hmm. and like there's multiple pictures of him and they're actually in circulation still of Paul McCartney playing right handed even though he's always been left handed you can flip a photo, but okay. Yeah, I know, but like, I don't know, just weird things, right, that get you thinking a little bit more. Okay, okay. Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm literally, like, is it at least handled in, like, a very not crackpotty kind of way? Because, no. like, and I'm literally is... imagining a, no. sh- a shot where it's, like, a photo of Paul McCartney as we know him now, and there's, like, narration, and it's like, what if I told you that the Paul McCartney we know today wasn't Paul McCartney at all. No, and then it flips see, to film see, negative, gray. Because so far, all I've been in. talking about is what this film is about and has yeah. in it. I haven't described to you anything else yet. Okay. So this movie is hoaxy as shit. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, perfect. That sounds about right. <laughs> and that is the entertaining part. Because for one thing, this tape recording is so mm-hmm. perfectly done. Like, the balancing and everything is so perfectly done like a voiceover 
Yeah. First of all, that's your first clue that, hey, guess what? Probably not. Probably wasn't George Harrison. No. (laughs) And, like, honestly, like, I've heard George Harrison talk in a lot of stuff. I've heard his songs multiple times. Yeah. He doesn't sound a lot like him. He's just a dude (laughs) with a British accent. George Harrison, so... Yeah, I know. Yeah, so that's... They refer to... It the, is pretty sketchy. They refer to the fake Paul McCartney as Fall. You know, fake Paul. Oh, okay. But, like... <laughs> so, every time Harrison says, talks about him, he doesn't say anything but Fall. And it's so weird, because it, you begin to think that this that's this dude's name, because he refers to him as it every time, even yeah. though it's just fake Paul. Alright, so... And every, a fun documentary, but... But it's weird, too, because every single thing that Harrison talks about can be found online if you go to, like, a wiki or, like, one of these fan sites about, like, the conspiracy of Paul McCartney's death. Right. Every single thing, like, I actually did this as I was watching it. I looked up a site on my laptop. They went point by point in order on these sites. Well, maybe that's just because the movie's out there, so they, they were inspired I mean, it's by possible, the movie. And... But this movie came out last year, and these sites were made in, like, 94. So what was on those sites for all these years, if Right, if not, exactly. Yeah, okay. Because, like, it says, like, copyright, like, even 2005, right? Right, right. And this movie came out in 2010. Okay. So, like, <laughs> it's obviously some dude just reading points off. Yeah. And then, like, referring to instead of, like, saying, like, George or whatever, or them, he's saying us and me. <laughs> so he's, like, really taking on this point of, hey, this I am George Harrison, and this is my story. But, like... Well, he, he would it, have to. Like, yes. That's, but, if you're gonna make a lie, at no, least do it well. <laughs> that's totally understandable to a point, but when it starts off, they, like, give facts about the band that George Harrison would never give facts about. Mm-hmm. That, like, like, they're talking about, like, their time in um, Hamburg in Germany, when they where they started off. And then he makes a comment about where we really found our sound. Like, that's like something out of a book report, man. Oh, okay. The real Paul, that's like, like a music if I was talking about actual us, musicians. No, if I was talking about us, it's like, yeah, so we were doing some stuff on Skype or whatever, and I, that's where we really found our stride. Like... It's stupid because no well, maybe one would... in an interview format you'd be forced to give a in an interview of, format absolutely like a, in a confessional you know, answer. No, you would never. Yeah, I do know. That. Yeah, that's what I'm. Like, I'm gonna at. blow the lid off this thing very politely as yeah. soon as I tell you about our background and how we knew each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so big question mark on that movie, but overall, you still enjoyed your time, or? Um, I didn't turn it off, so that okay. has to say something because I've turned off better stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, and then, I don't know, that that had me going for a while, because after I was done laughing at that, I went online and totally, like, started looking at pictures of Paul McCartney now, and, mm-hmm. like, picturing him younger and seeing if maybe there are differences, but I mean, like, it doesn't really matter. I okay. did a lot of reading up on him, too, and this whole I thing. guess, I just want to, okay, speaking of absurd pictures, have you heard the Nicolas Cage story? I was going to save it for news, but this is kind of a perfectly okay. silly no, part. Okay. Um, if the story is to be believed at face value, uh, there is a gentleman who is an enthusiastic Civil War photographs collector. Oh my god, um, I love where this is going. Keep going. He, he just, he just, his hobby is to just go to different, like, antique shops and, like, attics and stuff and just acquire Civil War photos. Mm-hmm. Um, one is now on eBay, I think it is, uh, asking price, I think is a million dollars Okay. for the, this photo that is, like, apparently he found it at the back of this album, no name on it. You look at this photo, it looks like, eerily, perfectly, exactly like Nick Cage, but, like, 140 years ago. So, a popular theory that has popped up now is Nick Cage is obviously a vampire and is just alive, or some sort of immortal, or some such thing, because, I mean, it's clearly him. So, yeah, have fun with that. (laughs) Wow, really? Yeah, it's a great photo. It looks a little weird to me, though, but he claims, like, no, dude, I'm legit collector you can check all my feedback and stuff like i am i am a civil war enthusiast 
This is 100% real. What's his I, name? It's gotten way too much press. I I don't know the chap's name offhand. This is just a weird thing that came up recently. So just just a second. Yeah, I'm trying to find it as we talk here, actually. Because Not an important story, but just such a goofy and silly no, one. it is the most important story. <laughs> okay. Um, I do enjoy Nicolas Cage, so the thought that he is, like, centuries old somehow is fantastic. Yeah, I really like that idea. It makes me very happy. So, okay. like, what era is this photo? 1870. Oh, wow, that's very specific. Yeah, or, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Hold on. Okay. Um. Anyways, as you're doing that, so, Charlie Sheen. Jack Mord is the antique dealer. Yeah, Charlie Sheen is now changing his tune, and he's regretful about what happened. Yeah. Um, and anyways, you watched the episode, so tell I me did. about that. It is so bad. Like, I hate that. We've talked about it. I hate that show. But Okay. <laughs> but... There were times where, like, I'd be watching with someone else because they liked it, and I'd have a few chuckles. Sure, okay. That can a- happen with any Ashton show. Ashton Kutcher is terrible. That was the worst episode of a show I have ever seen. It was so ah. stupid. I haven't seen it. Uh, like, okay. I I don't necessarily doubt you, but I read a review that was like, man, he's actually really good. Who, Ashton so, Kutcher? Yeah. He was wow. saying he brings Whoever a different wrote kind that of tone. a fucking idiot. <laughs> Are you sure, or... Are you yeah. just not no, a 70s like, show Like, seriously, fan? it is so bad. He's a bad actor. Okay. Just straight up. It's, like, he, I didn't find him funny. That's one thing. Okay. But, like, he didn't even pull off what he was trying to pull off well. Which is what? Well, when... Like, he's a... He commit. He, he had a suicide attempt He tried to commit suicide by jumping into the ocean or whatever, and he misses his um, girlfriend or whatever that broke up with him. But okay. Like, you I know, have a question. Isn't this show a comedy? Like, it opens with a funeral for a dude killed in a train accident, and then, like, No, no, not a train dude. accident. He was pushed in front of a train. Okay, so he's murdered in Paris. Yeah. His Debbie cousin guy, who's, oh, like, a and billionaire. Every, everybody at the funeral was there just to spit on his grave. Okay. Yeah, because one lady's pipes up and says um, something like, when can we see the body or whatever, I don't want to spit on a casket, and everyone agrees. And then he goes on <laughs> to say that in the way they found him, there's not much to spit on or something like that. Okay, is this, like, not horribly out of character for that show? Like, there's wasn't... more out of character things. So John Stamos, they're trying to sell the Charlie's house because, like, no one can afford it. John Stamos or John, John Cryer? is... What? John Cryer is, like, the... The main guy, John right? Stamos, is one of the people looking at the house to buy it at one point. Oh, it's just a guest a bit. Okay. And um, he <laughs> he makes reference to um, him and Charlie having a three-way with some hooker on the couch or something. And how she passed out and him and Charlie kept going. So... There's one other character thing. Do you remember Dharma and Greg? No, not really. I'm... Okay, Dharma and Greg was a terrible sitcom where, like, Dharma was a free spirit and Greg, uh, Greg was uh, the, like, businessman who always thought logically and blah, blah, blah. The original odd couple. And they had, like, <laughs> a great marriage because of it or something. I can't remember. It was stupid. Uh, all Anyways, right, all right. They're in this show, like, later on. They're looking at the house, too. And then they start fighting and talking about divorce and stuff, so they broke the characters that, like, they were on before. Oh. So, like, everything about this episode was really weird. The kid, like, the half-man and two-and-a-half men... Yeah. ...was in it for about a minute, and, he like, his whole part was him farting. <laughs> yeah, like, that was his whole <sighs> part, so half... Yeah, okay. So, this was really just... Not two and a half men, it was man. Because he was the only guy left. Ashton Kutcher, pretty much? Like, what did John Cryer do the whole time? No, John Cryer. Ashton, he was the man. Because he was the only one that was, like, in the whole thing. Oh. And that guy is still kind of okay. Without Charlie, he doesn't have, like, the whole... What am I... I don't know what I'm trying to say here, really. He doesn't have a good partner to, like... Like, they have a dynamic kind of thing going, and without his other half, like, it's just like, I fall flat all the time. Yes, exactly. I have nothing to play off of now. Yeah, okay. 
by the way, I found that Nicolas Cage photo. It is hilarious. Anyway, yeah. so yes. it's it was kind of the worst thing ever, and in a way, I was kind of glad I saw it because it was like the death of a popular show. Mm-hmm. I, oh, the, despite getting the biggest ratings in that show's but, history. I mean, it's obvious why everybody saw it. They wanted to see, like... Yeah, just curiosity started. as to how a train wreck, like, recovers or whatever, and it doesn't, and it I doesn't. guess. And it doesn't, and you know what? Yeah. I'm totally fine with that. I Yeah, expect a giant drop-off next week, hopefully, but... Oh my god, I am so hoping. Yeah, this is the end of the show. I think it would have been awesome if, like, Ashton Kutcher showed up and they're just like, Hey, Charlie. <laughs> And, like, just kept going. I think Like, that Charlie was... shows up, you mean? Huh? Like, Sheen actually... No, like, it doesn't... No, like... Oh, like, it's just like... Girl, oh, just literally like... just replace him. Like, it's just like, yeah, hey, it it's Charlie, our good friend like, Charlie. Man, or whatever, and then, yeah. like, they're talking or whatever, and then the door opens and it's Ashton Kutcher. It's like, oh, hey, Charlie. Like, and pick up where... Ex- like, nothing... As though nothing happened. That would have been funnier. That would have been amazing. Yeah, okay. Um, huh. That sh- that episode proved to me again, though, every time as every time I've seen that show, that like anybody could write that show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that, I, I think that's one of the things that really bothers me about it more than anything. Just how bland and like totally simple it is. How funny it is. I, I yeah. guess I could see like why morons would find it funny because it's like, hey, it's something I can relate to. I'm an idiot, and this show's stupid. Wow. So, that's just making friends today. Here. You know what? I don't even care anymore. Alright, if you watch that show, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, if you watch that show, you're a retard. Alright. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, I guess I could see what they were going for, and they it kind of worked, because they got, like, every guy into it that's just like, hey, I'm a normal guy, and I like Charlie Sheen, apparently. I like the I Arrival, so, I mean... The Arrival's okay, but he is Gordon Freeman in that. And I know. speaking of TV, that same night I watched the ending of Hell's Kitchen. Pretty okay. happy with how that went. Um, Yeah. I was surprised about who won because okay. I knew that I knew the two guys that were going to be in, that were in the finals to, against each other were going to be there because they were the best chefs. But I did not think the other guy would win, so I was pretty happy about that. And you know what? He deserved it. All right. Um. <laughs> and yesterday I watched Straw Dogs, <laughs> like the new one. The new one. I went to the theater and saw Straw Dogs. Why did you do that? Because my friend wanted to see it. Okay. All right. Um. All right. How how did you've seen the original? Obviously, I've seen some of the original. As I oh, said, man. Last time. right. By the way, did, that episode never went up, did it? What? Did it? Yeah, I think so. Oh, you never tweeted it. <laughs> oh yeah, I might not have this week. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure well, it's up there. Um, here okay, actually. Well, anyways, I, then. Yeah. Anyways, in that episode, I had seen some of it. Um, this movie's terrible. I really didn't like it. Yeah, I have it. Um, okay, like, well, okay, do you not like the story? Is it just poorly acted? Like, what does it it's do? It's poorly acted. I didn't like uh, Kate Bosworth and James Marsden. I didn't think they had any chemistry, especially for, like, that, the fact that they were supposed to. I guess. Watching the original movie, like, their relationship is pretty icy. Like, did they do that or no? Like, it's, it's not, it's... Kind of, but, like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Watching the trailer, like, it basically looked like a corny people... and obvious version of that movie. Like, it was just, it like... It totally, it totally is that. It's, like, the idiot's guide to Straw Dogs. Yeah, like, no quiet, kind of weird, questionable stuff happens. It's just, like, no, it's no, very... bad things happen, he has to stop them, go shotgun some dudes. Bear no, traps, it's yo. very bland about, like, how it does that. And yeah. I don't know. That's fine, I guess. Whatever. That doesn't matter to me. There's a difference between, like, icy in a relationship when two people actually still care about each other mm-hmm. and just, like, not having chemistry together. Like, not having screen presence enough with each other to actually give a shit about either of them. Right. Like, you're just like, you would like, have never married. He is a total pussy until the end. Okay. She is a total bitch. And everyone else is just a hick. Yeah. Okay. So, like,. I don't know. I didn't feel like there was any point in really seeing it. The ending was pretty cool due to, like, you know, it has Finally the stuff happens. It has the cathartic release of, like, these guys are messing with them so much, and it's like, you know what? Shit's going down now, and I'm gonna kill them. Yeah, yeah. And that's totally kinda... fine with me. I'm, I'll, I'm okay with that, but 
Just like I can't imagine <laughs> like James Marsden could match Dustin Hoffman just but, any day. So that seems no. like a like not to put yeah, I mean, like we're talking about a really fantastic actor versus like a totally okay one, but I mean James Marsden never had a chance. <laughs> no. I don't know. And see, I think the thing that drives me nuts, maybe I should go back and rewatch and finish Straw Dog, like the original Straw Dogs. Mm-hmm. But I think this film could have been fantastic if things had been more subtle. There was more screen presence from the main characters. Yeah. And it was built up, like, with more finesse. Okay. Than, like, how it was. It was I think it was artificially built up with, like, a lot of cheap, like, looks from the one dude to the chick and like just everything in it was like you always know what's gonna go down and, right yeah. like everything in it was uncomfortable but it wasn't um the uncomfortable that like slowly builds from like the situation it's just because like wow that dude's really creepy right like he's just like a predator okay because yeah i, I don't want to you like you still haven't seen i the, guess what i'm saying is polanski yeah yeah if polanski did this film i think it would have been a whole lot better with the whole like slow burn, with like yeah. a nice ending, I think he can do he can do a good. He would have done that pretty fantastically, and I mean he wouldn't have cast James Marsden because he's not a retard. <laughs> and just all right. No, I mean like <sighs> Marsden isn't bad. He shouldn't be doing roles like this. Like Cyclops, dude, go back to that. Although, just be I, a supporting I role guess, in a small. I guess you really can't, you know. <laughs> like, don't be a leading man. You don't have it. He, yeah. Although, like, watching think... the box, like, he certainly has more going on for him in that movie than Cameron Diaz does. Yeah, but we're not going to talk about Cameron Diaz because she's an idiot. Like, she's terrible. Man, you just hate everybody today. All right. Um, I had a bad day. Thoughts on Ringo? Uh, just going back to the Beatles. The worst Beatle? Thoughts? Ringo? Yeah. The worst Beatle? No. Um... The least talented one, yes. Okay, but lovable, so that kind of makes up. Definitely for it. lovable. Um, if you were to go based on personality, mm-hmm. I definitely think Lennon was a piece of crap. Like you wouldn't want to hang out with him. Absolutely like, not. Fair enough. I would love to like work with him. Mm-hmm. I would hate to like have to hang out with him though. Yeah, I okay. think McCartney is kind of a dick now, and that might be because of like the whole, like, fame thing and probably putting up with a lot of bullshit on his way up to, like, his age now. Yeah. yeah. And he's at the age where, like, he just doesn't care anymore. Like, I don't have to be nice to you. I'm a Beatle. I'm, I've been knighted by the Queen, and I have a lot of money. Yeah. So, like, I don't need to be nice to you. But I think he was probably okay at one time. Mm-hmm. I still think Harrison's my favorite, mainly as, like, from a guitarist standpoint. And because, um, I'm not very outspoken, like, in a lot of stuff in life, and he was known as the quiet one. He would just kind of do his thing. Yeah. And all of his stuff has a lot of, like, feeling and soul into it, and I really like his stuff. All right, that's a more positive note. Uh, is that all the stuff you saw this week, or...? I'm just trying to think back quickly. Well, I mean, I watched that yesterday, Straw Dogs, so yeah, that's uh, it. Okay. Um, right after our last episode, I watched Red State. Yes. Um... I've been meaning to ask you, what do you think? I didn't really like it. Um, okay. That's totally understandable, but I want to know why. Well, like like, like you said, there aren't really any characters to care about. Um, and I, I totally saw what you were saying with, like, the, uh, like, no, just, I don't care about any of these cult members. Just kill all of them. Because, like, a lot of that movie is, like... Like, even the kids, right? I, I know. A lot of that movie is, like... Oh, the dilemma! Like, what are we gonna do about the kids? And I was just like, I don't but really it's not care. Pulled off properly. Yeah, like see I just, that dilemma only matters if, if you make lovable kids matter. instead of like horribly brainwashed, hateful kids. And I was like, no, kids aren't inherently cool. You can have crappy kids. Yeah. Like as Louis C.K. pointed out, like kids can suck. These yeah. kids didn't convince me they don't. So don't really care. And but that like, is totally, I think, in the writing though. Yeah. That is um, his fault completely. Yeah, and like I like I like John Goodman as a person, but like he just seemed like tired and like sickly or something. I don't I don't know. I was like, oh, it man, might have is something okay? to do with the fact that he's like a really good actor, and he was just taking like minimum wage for this I, because it was in independently. Like done. he wasn't necessarily throwing himself into it. I maybe, but and honestly, his role doesn't really need it. Yeah, but, yeah. But, 
I still think he was easily the most lovable person in this whole film. Most sympathetic, maybe? Easily. I guess, yeah. And I think that might be because he actually has interaction with his wife. Like even A little bit. Things... I actually, that was one of my biggest, like, man, this is the laziest shot scene ever. Like, it, the establishing shot of him is so boring. Like, it's just like, I set the camera on this dresser near his, in his room. And okay. all of the action in that scene plays out just like that. And I was just like, man, I thought I thought Kevin Smith was stepping up his game. Okay, that, that, is that was Kevin a Smith. total clerk's shot. But I think yeah. I overlooked that completely because that's the only part in that whole movie where I felt there was a connection between two people. Oh, okay. Because, like, even the little things, like, where he, like, taps her and, like, make me coffee or whatever. Or, like, do you love me? If you love me, you'll make me coffee or something. Okay. And then he's on the phone with his boss. And like, it's like, the only moment of warmth between two like, people ever. They're smiling at each other a little bit. Like, there's little subtle things you can do to make, to add character. And I think those are the only two people in that whole film with any character towards each other. The rest of them were totally flat and just like, okay, he's the crazy preacher. He's the dude just um, following orders. So They're the sex-crazed teenagers. Right, and it's yeah. stupid, and that's really annoying to me. It was the kid from Nightmare on Elm Street, though, who I still think might go on to do great things. Which but, kid? The main like, kid? The main kid, like the last kid that manages okay, to survive. for Red, Red State. Yeah. A bunch <laughs> um, of people die. It's in the trailer. Like, that's literally in the trailer. Yeah. They're, they all get um, captured, and guess what? Bad I'm, stuff happens. I am a big fan of that, though, that he do, he isn't afraid to just kill that kid off. Like, pretty... The kids die pretty quickly. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I'm a pretty big fan that he's not holding back. Like, well, this kid has to live at least until this point. Mm-hmm. I like that. I've always liked directors that are not afraid to kill off their characters. I guess I shouldn't say directors, writers more, more than anything. Okay. Because I don't think anybody, like, uh, is expendable. Yeah. Unexpendable. Um, just, like, generally, though, like, I just, I felt kind of pointless. Like, I was just like, mm-hmm. what is, what is going on in this? Like, it's just like. Absolutely. Okay. Like, they even have mentioned the Phelps clan or whatever in the movie. Yeah. In passing. Thought, and they're just like, yeah, these guys are way crazier. So it's already not really a satire on that. It's, like, even more extreme to the point of absurdity. And it's just like, all right, they're doing crazy stuff. Someone should probably stop them. And then they kind of do that. And I did enjoy Patrick Fischler at the end. Like, he's one of the agents or whatever. Yep. Like, th- that little banter between them was okay. It was, mm-hmm. Like, I actually chuckled, I think, at See, that point. I think we're kind of agreeing on it, though, because, like, this movie is very kind of okay in parts, but, like, it's very pointless. Uh, yeah, pointless. I didn't think it had that much visual flair, which, I mean, I don't expect him For to go Kevin from Smith zero to ten or something. Flair. Yeah, the foot chase was okay. There's a foot chase through a house, and it was all right. Um, that was yeah, that was fine. That was like the most dynamic kind of camera moves and stuff in the entire movie. Yeah. Um, like a lot of little bit roles and stuff that I was like, oh, I like this guy. Like, and there's I, a few parts that I really liked where um she has the one guy captured in her room, and she's like saying, hey, we need to get the kids out and blah blah blah. Yeah, and like she goes on this whole spiel where it's just like. Blah, 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 the kids, and oh, I don't agree with them either, but, you know, they're kids and stuff like that. And the whole time I'm just like, fuck you. Yeah. And then he literally is just like, fuck you and your fucking family or something like that. You're just like, yes, thank you. I'm on this guy's team. Yeah, I'm with this guy. And then he does, and you're like, okay, (laughs) whatever. I guess that was, yeah, spoilers, but whatever. People die. I don't care. Yeah. And Michael Parks, like, was pretty good at being crazy, but... Like, I don't know. He was in the movie more than I thought he would be based on what you said. Like, he has quite a few scenes. It's just... Yeah, but I guess... There's not a lot of depth to his character. He is just crazy preacher guy. No, like, he is in it a lot, but, like, you don't care. Yeah, I know. Like, it's just like, alright, this guy's saying crazy stuff. Like, listening to the podcast and stuff, I was really hyped to hear his whole, like, monologue and his um, sermon and stuff. Mm -hmm. Because I thought there'd be some crazy stuff in there. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was pretty disappointed by that. I didn't think it was as crazy or, like, well done as he could have done. Right, yeah. Especially, like, when you're a writer-director. Like, you have total control over what this dude's saying and how he says it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, there's absolutely no reason why it shouldn't be fantastic. 
well, like, it's only your fault if it isn't. Exactly. Yeah, and, like, yeah, like, Parks is doing his job. It's just, like, the dialogue and stuff is just, like, For what whatever. I'm sure he was given, I'm sure Parks actually, like, knocked it completely out. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because but... he he delivers lines, like, as a crazy guy really well. Mm-hmm. And I would really be happy to see him do, like, a real director's film as, like, something like this. Oh, like, get a larger role in, like, a more versatile director's... I think yeah, he would yeah. make a great villain. Yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's got bit roles yeah, in Tarantino I mean, stuff. But, yeah. I don't think this movie was ter. Like I was saying, I had a hard time, like, describing it because total, like, apologist for a lot of stuff Kevin Smith does. Yeah. But, like, like I was saying before, and I'm sure you can probably agree with me now, and I'll say it again, is that his other films, Kevin Smith feels like he actually has part like of his heart into it. Mm-hmm. This doesn't feel like he really cared. Like it feels like maybe he was trying to do something new, or like yeah, or it's like a thing he's minorly annoyed but, by, like the Westboro by, stuff. And then, but by doing so, yeah. by trying to break out of like his old thing, trying something new, I think he forgot that one of the more important things with the way he does films is putting himself like, a piece of himself into it, mm-hmm. because I didn't feel any heart in this at all. Like, it felt point. It felt, at the end, like, well, I'd never have to watch that again, because it was kind of pointless. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other stuff, they're stupid, they have funny parts, but, like, you feel something in there for, like, the characters, at least. Like, there's something that makes me come back to a Kevin Smith film. This had nothing of that. It was more of a... Like something I was interested in seeing to see how he had changed. And like yeah, p- purely it. as an experiment for him. Exactly. Yeah, and I, that's I, really too like bad it. because I'm a huge horror fan and a Kevin Smith fan, and I felt that I was kind of let down on both fronts. Yep, I agree. Um, then I watched uh, like that's all I really have. I don't know. I don't have deep thoughts about it. I just yeah, no, I wasn't very movie. Uh, that's totally fine. Wait, wait, wait. It's like you and Soderbergh. I'm just like, yeah, it was good. <laughs> that's about the right tone for a lot of people with Soderbergh, though, but whatever. Um, like, a, a lot of, it's like a lot of good films, maybe not that many, like, great, but, you know, solid baseline. I do have to agree with you with Soderbergh. At least he does, like, different things. Yeah, he changes it up a lot. And that and, is really respectable. Yeah, and there's, like, a slick professionalism to it. Like, I... Yeah, I find a hard time getting, like, super excited about a lot of them. If any, it's, like, The Informant and Out of Sight, maybe, are, like, my favorites okay. that he's done. And, like, they're pretty great, but, like, not my favorite films ever or anything. But there's just yeah. so many films that kind of hit in that range of, like, yeah, it was good. So, you know, that's still something. Mm-hmm. Um, then I watched a documentary called The Celluloid Closet. Okay. Which is um, basically just kind of charting uh, how homosexuality has been portrayed in film since the and very beginning. Was, yeah, this was for your class. Yeah, this was yeah, this was for my class. So um, how did this hold up? <laughs> Any crazy rape scene that you don't want to talk about with your class? In the celluloid closet, it's a documentary. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. They don't even no like mysterious skin. No, no. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was kind of making fun of. Yeah, it didn't get. Yeah, no, it was super fine about it. It was uh, just going back to like. Like 1899, like Thomas Edison film, oh, with wow. two dudes dancing, like that is kind of questionable. Yeah, like, it's a little weird. Like in terms of like what, like there's it's silent and there's no text or anything, so there's no real context for it. But they just found it interesting, like all the way from that up to like the early 90s, because um the movie was made in 1995, so it can't get into the more recent stuff. But like Tom right. Hanks is there, interviewed about Philadelphia and stuff. Lily Tomlin narrates it. Tony Curtis talks a lot. Uh, Har- like uh, Harvey Firestein. Um, name something he's been in. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. He's the guy yes, that makes the Kay. makeup. He's, he's um, in. The, he's uh, Independence Day. Friend. Yeah, he's in Independence Day. He's like, he oh crap! The... And then the big wave of explosions. Oh, the dude with the scruffy voice. Yeah, he's talking oh, to his mom on the phone, and then. A bunch of ma ma yeah he's yeah. he's pretty great um okay. no g- good documentary kind of like we did some readings and stuff about like the same subject matter and it does kind of gloss over some things I found more interesting mm-hmm. 
like um Kenneth Anger is this experimental filmmaker and he he kind of tackled a lot of like very blunt homosexual kind of content like much earlier than a lot of people but because it's experimental film like not a lot of people saw it so they don't even bother mentioning it cuz it's more about popular hollywood cinema or whatever um some great like a great observation about uh, Ben Hur apparently the writer and Stephen Boyd the actor who played Masala were like all right we have an understanding here. Ben Hur and Masala had like um, they were lovers when they were young, like young men, and now that's part of the thing driving this like big feud between them. But they would not tell Charlton Heston about that because, of course, he would flip out. So it kind of just like I've seen that movie so many times since I was like a kid and stuff, and just like that recontextualizes that movie in a really amusing way. That's so awesome. yeah, I kind of want to see it again now because like I totally thoroughly watch that film there's nothing left for it but now that kind of puts this weird other twist on a bunch of bunch of scenes and they actually show show some scenes in that light and it's just like man yeah totally (laughs) this like these glances are super weird now this is amazing so yeah it just kind of ruins it now no it just makes it like totally different which is you know reinvigorates that film for me in a way um also, they they do, they point out two different films, like uh, one in a positive light, one in a negative one. Uh, Boys in the Band is like a 1970 film that was like pretty progressive for its time. It's like very transparent about its like like gay characters and stuff, and nothing horribly bad happens to them, which is kind of a trend that was happening at the time. Like it was like, all right, if we have gay characters, they obviously are totally upset and hate themselves and commit suicide in the end because that's the only way this should go. And it's like, come on, what? So this one's, like, way more positive about it. And that movie was directed by William Friedkin, who ten years later made, like, one of the most hated films, like, in that subculture called Cruising with uh, Al Pacino. Never have, heard have you heard about this? No. Okay, like, it's just, like, like serial killers and, like, in the gay underworld and everything it's like super seamy and treats it all like super dangerous and everything so like but the the this documentary the cellular closet like brings up both films but does not mention the common link between them which i found really weird like it was like mm. why why aren't you pointing out that freakin is like the same guy who brought us this other film and this like this film like that film was protested and like censored horribly and everything like, 40 minutes of it were cut out because it was just too on-the-nose, seedy, and gross, or whatever, about the whole thing. <laughs> like, it was like, uh, he actually put frames of a gay porn in it, in nice. parts of it, and apparently there was a scene where it was just like, no, there's just hardcore gay sex happening, and Al Pacino's there, and he's like, oh, this is so horrible and disturbing, I gotta get out of here. And like, oh man, my cat was totally destroying this flyer. Well, you know what's more disturbing? What? Al, Al Pacino's totally in Jack and Jill. What? Oh, yeah. No, he is. And that movie looks really, really bad. That broke my heart. I was just like, Have you... what are you doing, man? Yeah. Have you seen that trailer? Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was on yesterday. It's almost like a parody or something. It's, it's so bad. But yeah, no, Cellular Closet was pretty good. I, I did think it kind of missed some stuff I was hoping they would talk about, but like like the Ben-Hur stuff and whatever, there's some good anecdotes in there. Um. So yeah, no, uh, pretty good. And uh, yesterday I watched um, a documentary, Werner Herzog, uh, Cave of Forgotten Dreams. Right, yeah. I think you and me talked about this a little bit off mic. Oh, like just that that was in town and stuff? or? No, I don't know, but I think it was uh, had to do because you had watched Grizzly Man. Oh, like I, I have, yeah, I saw Grizzly and Man then... Encounters at the End of the World in the recent, like, last six months or something, so this is just part of... Yeah, no, that. I think, like, after you talked about that on here, mm-hmm. I think, like, when we were done recording, you were saying something about wanting to see uh, Cave of Forgotten Dreams. Right. So. And, yeah, no, I did, yeah. and I, How was I saw it? it. Um, <laughs> I did, I did quite like it. It is totally, okay, well, that's actually not true. It's in 3D, I'm gonna say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I don't first... hate 3D. I don't hate 3D. But like I was just like just amused by the idea of Werner Herzog wanting to make a 3D movie, which kind of mm-hmm. got me through it. The first ten minutes is like some of the worst use of 3D ever. Like it's just oh. like 
like, it's, like, it opens with an okay kind of tracking shot through this field, and then you see the, like, some caverns and stuff, and you're like, okay, cool, that's, that introduces our, uh, what, what this is all about. But then there's, like, just shaky, handheld, jittery, like, documentary-type stuff. Like, I'm walking along on these mountain trails with these researchers interviewing it's them. 3D. And it's like, that's totally fine, except it's in 3D, so I feel really, yeah, it was like, my friend Ryan was like, feeling sick, and I was just like, man, this is like, I'm, like, I just spun around a lot or something, and I'm trying to then walk down a path on a straight line or something, like, it is brutal. I know that feeling, it's making me sick thinking about it. Yeah, the first ten minutes is like, full of that, and I was just like, oh man, this is... Like, I was, like, kind of laughing at it, though, because I was just like, this is the worst! How could you do this? But then they start doing, like, slow pans in caves and stuff, and it's like, alright. It it's it settles down and just starts showing you the cave paintings and stuff, and it was like, alright, this is, this is I can deal with this now. And, like, he uses his tripod more and stuff. Like, I'm assuming that was, like, early in the filming process was those first bits, and it's just like, oh, okay, I figured this out now. And it's, it's, yeah. So... The 3D, actually, I would say, does make the cave paintings themselves kind of interesting to look at, just because they're almost part sculpture in that they're on, like, kind of bumpy cave walls and whatever, and you can kind of see that texture and everything somewhat better, I guess. Like, generally speaking, this movie it will be totally fine on DVD, and I'd probably recommend seeing it that way if you want to see it at all, just because... It's totally unnecessary. No, don't, don't, don't bother with the three. <laughs> don't 3D. spend forty bucks on it. Yeah, like it's just there's like a there's another funny bit where it's like he literally just has this uh like researcher guy do a spears demo, just to like be like, all right, what would ancient man have used to hunt? Oh, he probably would have had a spear like this, and he's like jabbing it at the screen, and I was like, yeah, this is so great. <laughs> like so it's good. the most transparent, like, 3D for 3D's sake kind of moment, and I thought it was I'm really okay. funny. I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, I, when you I thought do it was it great. like that, it makes 3D perfect. Yeah, and he's, like, pointing at the screen and stuff. Like, it would have been <laughs> over there. I was like, really? <laughs> and uh, there's actually... One of the best interviews in the film is with this, like, master perfumer. That's his job. And, like, you, okay. he's just, like, wandering through a forest, like, smelling. This is the first time you see him, you're just like, what is happening? I thought this was about caves. And it's just like, no, see, this guy, he's he's smelling for the caves. He's he's trying to find them. And I was like, okay. And it just, like, interviews this guy. And his whole thing is he just, like, goes through forests trying to, like, you know, he can, he he's a really good sense of smell. So he can distinguish, like, nature and vines and trees and stuff with, like, that ancient musty smell of, like, a real cavern or whatever. So that's his role in the movie. And he's just a brilliantly eccentric dude, and he just says some really funny things and just starts rambling on at parts and then just, like, stops when he realizes it. It's pretty great. There's some great kind of Herzog moments in the movie of just, like, any other director would have cut that, but you love those weird, awkward moments (laughs) of humanity, so there it is. And, like, yeah, there's this super awkward researcher guy trying to show off a bone flute and stuff, and he's, he's... not a sociable kind of guy, I guess. Or he's, at the very least, like, really nervous about being on camera. And it shows, and it's really funny. But, um, I guess just in terms of, like, the cave paintings, it is an interesting movie in terms of, like, just thinking of time and just the vast number of years that happened between some of these, like, cave paintings and others. Like, if, like, everything, all the dating stuff is correct 32,000 years ago, which is crazy. Yeah. And just thinking about... Like, just thinking about that going forward was an interesting thought exercise. Like, it's like, like 30,000 years from now, will there be any mark on this planet left by me at all that anyone will remember? No, I mean, if I film a 3D movie, that's not going to matter. Like, See, I, like, and that's kind of weird if you think about it, because it's a film where, like, there's, like, these markings on a cave. Yeah. And it's shot in 3D. <laughs> Like, well, no, it's like the but like I said, it shows the kind of weird shape of the cave a little better. Is, no, I'm saying like it's just kind of weird to show like this really really old thing mm-hmm. with like with our latest technology. The, yeah, 
Yeah, I think, like, it's just, like, Herzog wants to gr give as many people as possible an opportunity to see this stuff, because, like, I yeah, will likely like, never the whole see them firsthand. for him, probably, like, hey, you're here now. Yeah, like, he just goes on bizarre adventures and kind of takes us with them, with him, and I enjoy that. That's totally fine. Like, Encounters at the End of the World, he goes to the South Pole and such. I'm probably never going to see the South Pole, so I don't know. I do kind of appreciate what he's doing with these. He definitely these. needs to go to Mars. Yeah, if anyone is going to space and make a film there, it would definitely be him. He's made a film on every continent, so that's pretty amazing. That is pretty good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, he's just an enjoyable personality, and, like, some of his, like, ponderous thoughts or whatever are just kind of weird, but they're they're still pretty great. And, like... Yeah, some of his observations about just the amount of time, like, we're talking about here and stuff, is pretty interesting. And he does give a lot of time to just kind of look at the paintings themselves. And they're pretty sophisticated for the time. Like, there's some, like, contrasts and everything and whatnot going on. It's, I don't know, it was stuff I hadn't really thought about, so that was that was pretty interesting. I do want to say, though, the movie ends on the weirdest note I could even imagine and it was hilarious and like weirdly inappropriate at the same time. I think and you'll I thought have to it... tell me off camera. Or... No, I kind of I didn't. I just want to bring it up because like it was a widely publicized story about this movie. Okay. Um, like I minor spoiler for a documentary, but whatever. Like it's not a plot driven thing, so yeah. just this happens. I knew it was gonna happen, but I wasn't exactly sure how. So if all you know at this point in time is there is a white crocodile in there somewhere. Stop listening, I guess, and just go see it for yourself because it is such a silly moment. I'm going to get into it, though, because I need to talk about it because, okay. man. I need to so the movie goes on for, like, 85 minutes or whatever of just, like, hey, caves, think about those. They're really old, like, getting some talking about ancient man and stuff. And it's like, oh, no, cool, yeah, interesting. Then there's, like, the, just comes up on screen postscript, and you're just like, okay, what do you got for me? And it's just like totally different like approach to everything just starts happening. Like it's just like there are nuclear power plants in the, near this river. I was just like, oh, what? what? Oh, okay. <laughs> and I was just like, some of the drainage water is like, you know, just put in these greenhouses, and you get like radioactive steam. And I was like, yeah, okay. And it's just like hundreds of crocodiles live in these greenhouses. Some of them mutants, and I was like, "What?" Oh my shows God. me like, shows me like a albino crocodile just swimming around. I'm just like, are you, "What powers does he have?" No, I don't know. <laughs> he's just, he's just there, and I was just like, "What is happening? Why is he showing us this?" And then like the way he justifies it is just like, "If they should ever escape this place and wander into the caves themselves and see those paintings, what will they think?" And I was just like, "Oh my what? God." That's what amazing. <laughs> it was so funny. Like, it was just, like, a total bad lieutenant protocol New Orleans, like, hey, what's this iguana doing kind of randomness happens. And it was so funny. And, like, reading about the story, like, I heard the story because it was like, dude, that's not real. Like, he basically staged that whole thing. Like, there are <laughs> albino crocodiles, but they don't live in this weird, like, radioactive greenhouse or anything. He just makes up this hypothetical situation and ends his film with it, and it was so bizarre. That's the best thing I've ever heard. It was really funny. So just because of that alone, that is my film of the week. Um, I recommend seeing it. It's, yeah. Like, thought-provoking, solid kind of... Th poetic documentary on its own and then but then just like with a hilarious like yeah. just Herzog moment right there for you it was so funny so cause, like yeah watching it like I knew there was a white crocodile I was just like what how is this gonna fit into this movie at all like none of these cave paintings have involved crocodiles in any way like these are all bison and like mammoths and stuff and like bears and horses why would a crocodile even be in this movie and then it's just like yeah, no, there is no good reason. Herzog just wanted that to happen and did, and I don't know. It was entertaining. I don't know how objective, you know, for a documentary, it seems really weird to just make up some fake business and pass it off as though it was true. But yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. Um, and then I guess uh, last thing 
for me was uh, Modern Family. I started watching season two of that, and that show is really funny. Yeah, that show is really good. Season yes. two is pretty good too. Yeah, it just won a ton of Emmys and stuff. So you know, that's that's kind of. Did you watch the Emmys? Oh no, I don't watch the Emmys. Yeah, okay. I heard John Hamm didn't win, so I was very upset. But... That is really kind of too bad. I guess Friday Night Lights fans, maybe, you know, they'd take issue with that. I, I haven't seen that show. Maybe it's great, but I just, you know, I thought Brian Cranston's not on the list this year, so John Hamm. Yeah. And then it didn't happen. Um, I guess that's it. Like, any final thoughts or anything? Or? Um, Killer Elite this weekend. Uh, I don't know if I, I'm Moneyball this weekend is what I'm seeing. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You see Moneyball, uh, I'll try to see Killer Elite. I'm, I'm, I'll probably see Killer Elite on, like, a Tuesday or something. Like, it looks fun enough. I think but, Tuesday yeah. I'm seeing Abduction. <laughs> so. Big big Singleton fan or no, the Lautner? same friend. Oh, man. But you know what? She she gets me out to see movies I wouldn't see, like, ever. So you're more diverse, you know, more eclectic now. <laughs> there you go. Is that a diversity I want? I mean, why couldn't I just be not racist? I, yeah, Why I guess. Why can't I just but, be accepted? Like, but be exposed to new media and things, you know? Big budget, <sighs> silly films. I guess. I I don't know. I, I was kind of on board with Abduction early on in that whole I thing. I think I but... still kind of am. I'm not against seeing it. Yeah, it could be okay. It has some solid people in it. Like Alfred Molina and Scorn and Weaver are people I've quite enjoyed in the past, so maybe. And Boys in the Hood, man. John Singleton. Gotta represent. It could be. What do you think of them work. doing the Lion King in 3D? I've heard it kind of looks weird, but that movie's doing really well. I kind of want to go see it. I I did think about like, man, I got Tuesday or something. Maybe I'll just go. But like, I don't really have that much affection for the Lion King. Like, it's not one of my go-to Disney films of that period. It was like more like Aladdin and stuff for I really me. I feel sorry for you. What Rescuers and Aladdin are better movies. No. It's just. Rescuers Down Under kicks that movie all over the place, man. That movie's pretty good, but Aladdin, no. What? Absolutely Dude. not. Just because Robin Williams is so played out now, like, it's still great. I can sing all no, those songs. of course not. It's not that. It's, it's fucking Aladdin. Like, Dude, seriously? Jafar has, like, wordplay and stuff. That's, that's awesome. Things are unraveling quick, boy, yeah. and then he unravels him. <laughs> okay. That, that Granted, hilarious. there are some good parts in it, but The Lion King's classic, man. It's It's Hamlet. Like yeah, it's just not. I don't know. The worst it's part not. of the Lion King is Timon and Pumbaa. But that's like the funniest thing that movie has. But I don't want funny. You don't want funny? Come on. No. If I want comedy, I'll watch Straw Dogs again. Why was it that bad as to be hilarious? It was stupid. Doesn't sound funny at all. <laughs> but all right. Um. No, I don't know. Like, if they re-release some other stuff, I'd be more inclined. Like, I'm to, just thinking even, fair, if, if they, they could pull off... Aladdin in 3D, that magic carpet ride would be a ride for everybody. That, too. And I was like, Rescuers Down Under has that giant eagle just yes. flying around. And it's like, would that animation look really good or really weird in 3D? Either way, I kind of want to see it. Because there's some great high-flying adventure in that. And George C. Scott, man. No, like literally. Yeah, no, but, like, yeah, I got it. Thanks. <laughs> like it's like How to Train a Dragon or something, but like way better. So man, that was I don't know. Movie too. That was pretty good, yeah. Um, now we're just yeah. I don't know how two D works in three D though. That's yeah. Now we're just babbling. It's just it's wasting weird. time. So you know. All right. So Ghostface Killers latest album is pretty good. Finally listened to it. Apollo Kids, and uh, with that, the monastery is closed. Thanks for joining us. See ya next week.